Good morning, everyone. Wow, we've got lots of stuff happening around here, don't we? Yep. Y'all doing okay this morning? All right. I know we got food on the way. I don't know about y'all, but I'm really excited to be able to share in a meal with everyone today. I've got just a few thoughts that I'd like to share with you all today. Uh, Today, I would like to speak to you all about the spirit of adoption. So bump your neighbor, don't not too rough, real gentle-like, but just elbow them a little bit. Some of y'all, the elbows are a little more uh, sharp than others, so just be sensitive. But bump your neighbor and look at them and say, Spirit of Adoption. So I have just a brief passage of Scripture that I would like to share with you to kick us off today. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bible with you or your phone, you can pull that up on those on your devices if that's what you're preferring to use today. If you don't mind, let us read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he begins in his letter by saying, Paul, identifying who he is and Who's writing this letter? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption in Christ. So he's releasing those words to them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him, speaking of Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption As sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted and beloved. And so the Apostle Paul in the scriptures here tells us clearly that God's plan all along for humanity is that we would be adopted by, with, and through His Son, Jesus, so that we can be reconnected. So Paul says it this way, to Himself, or for us to be reconnected to our Father and our Creator. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to pray just very briefly before I begin today. You can pray along with me if you don't mind. Lord, I ask that You use me to teach and to preach the gospel this morning. Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, I know that you will do the heavy lifting. I ask that you use me. Lord, I put my trust and my hope in you and in your word that it will do what it's always done and that, Lord, if I and if we open our hearts to receive from you, it will change us forever. And so, Lord, I ask today that you change us and that you minister to us the heart and the intent of the Father. Lord, we're grateful for all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, my friend. 
And so, for the sake of time, I am hoping to move quickly today. Uh, I will be breaking this sermon into two parts for us, and so I'm going to leave you hanging this week. Is that okay? And I I love y'all, but when y'all watching Netflix, you don't mind it when they leave you hanging. So can the preacher get a little Netflix grace this morning and that you're going to have to come back next week for episode two if you want to figure out how the story ends. I believe that in this modern day in which we live that y'all are up to it. Does that feel okay? So I'm telling you now, if you don't come back next week, I'm not trying to bait you or manipulate you, but I am just being honest with you that if you you just go home, you're going to be blessed today. But you're not going to get the whole story. So make sure you make an effort to be here or tune in with us next week. So we're in the middle of our, we're closing down, wrapping up our Cutting Wood series. And we've talked about many, many things. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about what to do, what to do, when to do it, and where to be when you do it. Seeking God, trusting God, finding our purpose in Him, learning that as we live a life of purpose, Yes, there are demands that are placed on us, but God, we have peace because God refills us and meets all of our needs as we live out our purpose. And then last week, we've discussed prayer, the, one of the cornerstones, the foundation, the, one of the, the core disciplines of what makes us believers. And quite frankly, what separates us from the rest of the world is not just the, the practice of prayer, but the lifestyle of prayer of Christian believers is different. It looks different. It sounds different. It's more spiritual and it's far more human than any other thing that is going on in the rest of the world. Prayer is one of the cornerstones of our faith. And so we've talked a lot about the what, but today I want to talk a little bit about the who and the why. And so I want to talk to you today, quite frankly, about God as a father. And so we, hear, we see here clearly where the Apostle Paul is telling us that we have been adopted through the work of Jesus. We've been adopted back into the family of God. And so I think before we proceed, it would be wise to define the word adoption. But now I need to also let you know that adoption is a verb. It's something that happens. It's something that is done for us. And so the dictionary says this, that adoption is the action or fact of legally taking another's child and bringing it up as one's own, or the fact of being adopted. Now I want to zoom in and focus on the very beginning of this definition. It says the action of taking one who was not your blood child and then taking them as your own and raising them. As your own. Uh, There's an older version. If you go way back in the Miriam Webster dictionary, there's a different word that says the choice of taking one someone else's child and making them and raising them as your own. And so the first thing you need to know before we go any further is that a child can't choose to be adopted. The child can't say, hey, I really want somebody to adopt me. Now, I don't know about you, but there was times when my dad was teaching me what it looked like to be a man. When he'd like make me clean things and make me wash his truck and make me cut the grass. I was like, I wish somebody would adopt me, you know, and I could just like go, you know, be richy rich or whatever the thing was. Uh, but, you know, you can't do that. 
You can't do that. In our court systems today, I understand that we, we allow children certain decisions to be made on their behalf, but I want to suggest to you all today that in the scope of eternity, in relation to a supernatural, spiritual God, it's difficult for the child to say, I want to be adopted. I'm going to pick who my parents will be. No, what happens is, is that a governing body becomes involved and they look and they say, this child is not uh, being adequately cared for. They have no one or their circumstances are compromised. And so we need to find them a proper and a fitting parent who will cherish them, love them, provide for them and raise them up as if they were biological children to those parents. And so something that I need to let you know about your father God today is that before you were born, before you ever sinned, before you ever drew a breath, before you ever decided whether or not you were going to come to church today, before you ever have decided whether or not you wanted to serve Him, the Scripture here says clearly that before the foundation of the world, God chose for Himself from within His heart. He chose and He said, even before I make mankind, I have decided that I want to be a father to them. So here's what you need to know is that God being a father to you is not contingent upon whether or not you feel like it, whether or not you do good or you do bad. It's not about how much money you earn or how holy you think you may be. No, none of that matters. The thing that matters first and foremost is that God knew in his heart that he never wanted to be separated from you or from me. He chose and he knew from the beginning, I want to adopt them and make them my own family. Don't you know that God can relate to us in lots of different ways? He is a great many things. He is, he is a general. The scripture calls him Lord of hosts. Some of you may read that title in the Old Testament. Lord of hosts simply means commander of the angel armies. Do you remember Jesus hanging on the cross and he said, I could, with one word, I could command legions from heaven that would come down and get me off of this cross. How do you know that God is not bothered by nuclear bombs and Abram tanks because he has his own military infrastructure that with the snap of a finger or the one single word, those forces will go into action and secure his will and his desires. And so the Lord of hosts, he's a general, he's a warrior. How do you know that when he sent the angels down to judge Israel after David took the census, just two little angels came down. I think it was so many tens of thousands of people were killed in just under an hour. When God said, can't nobody kill like God when he's got a mind to get after it. Just ask the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians. Uh, he wiped them dudes out in a night. So God's a lot of things. He's a military guy. He's a general. He's also a judge. Because his commitment to us is that I may not do it right when you want it, but there will come a day where he will judge every person. He will judge creation. Creation, did you do what I made you to do? He'll judge all of mankind and he'll say, what did you do with the time that I gave you, the opportunity that I gave you, the resource that I gave you? What did you do? The scripture says that we will have to give an account for every single word that we have spoken. I don't know about you, but that's enough to make me pray and seek. God every single day. But so here's God's promise is that I will come and I will judge and I will set everything right. I will not let one person go into eternity without having received what is owed to them. I need to remind somebody today that justice is not created in Washington, D.C., the power of justice lies in the heart of God, the arm of God, and the word of God. 
And if we happen to get it right in our government, it's only because we've happened to find ourselves in line with the Scriptures and the heart of God. So he's a general. He's a judge. He's a creator. He's an artist. You ever look at creation? And I saw a beautiful sunset a couple nights ago. I'm sure y'all saw it as well. Here in Oklahoma, we have that one redeeming quality. We have the best sunsets in the whole wide world. And I look at that and I think about the artistry of God and how beautiful his creation is, how perfect and detailed it is. He's an artist. But you know, when we could go on and on about all the things that he is, he's a healer, he's a life giver. We could go on and on and on and on, but I need to let you know something, who God is and what God is. First and foremost is that God is a father. Because he can relate to you through his creation. He can relate to you militarily. If that's the path you choose to go down, may he bless you. He can relate to you that way. He will relate to you through justice. He will relate to you through lots of different ways. But why? Why does he do it the way that he does it? Why does he choose the paths that he chooses? It's because he is a father. And a father wants to give his children the best. I just need to hit something on the head today. You've probably heard that said before. You go, yeah, I've heard that. God's a father. Well, then the question that I have to follow that up with is, okay, how well do you know him as a father? Because a lot of people who know my dad, Greg, they can look at me and look at the way I stand, the way I talk, and my mannerisms, some of the things that I, a lot of things I believe, and they can say, you are a product of Greg. And they're not wrong. Well, let's apply that logic to God the Father. And so a lot of people say, oh, I know God's my daddy. Yeah, that's great. Well, you acting like it? You living like it? Where's the fruit? Even Jesus said you judge a tree by its fruit. And so I love you. I'm not here to offend you, but I do want to say this. If you know him as Father, show me some fruit. Are we fulfilled? Are we at peace? Are we living a life of prosperity and a life of blessing? Do we have peace that passes understanding? Do we have His joy that is our strength? Have we learned, whether we have much or we have little, to be at comfort and be at peace? Because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Have we learned these things, or are you just quoting somebody's Twitter? Okay, okay. Yeah, y'all thought y'all going to get some fajitas and a, and a high five. I'm on the warpath today. I need to let somebody know today you've been adopted and that radically shifts and changes everything about who we are. And so I want to, if I may, walk with you through a couple of very brief points about the adoption process that goes on in the natural world and the spiritual truth that is lurking and hiding in a process that many of us are probably familiar with. And so the first I've already begun to touch on, and that is that when the, when the agency, the government agency that's responsible for the placement and the welfare of the children, the first step that, one of the first steps that they do is they come to do a home study. So if you're wanting to adopt a child, they're going to show up at your house. And they're going to make sure that you don't have like, you know, big pythons, you know, running around free, you know, because we don't want little Jimmy to be brought to your house. And then we get a call like, well, Jimmy got to eat by a python. So, you know, we don't want that. That's not ideal. So they're going to come and do a detailed study of your home. And they want to know that as you, as a potential parent, are you ready to take responsibility for this child? Can I get any parents in the room? Just give me a quick wave and go, raising a kid is a huge deal. You better be ready. Even 
when you think you are, you ain't. You can get country about it too. You think you are, but you ain't. You ain't ready. I thought I was ready. I was not ready, Freddie. Okay, now, here's something that I love is that part of this home study is that parents have to write an autobiography of who they are. And so the government even calls it a family narrative. Because here's what happens. If we place this child in your home, we have learned that a child is going to do much better with you when they know and they understand who is the family that they have been adopted into because they've been over here for so long, they don't know all the things that you know. And so we want to give them this written story of who you are as a family so that they can now take on that identity. And so we have learned that a child can be grafted into a family when they know the story of the family that they are being brought into. And I need to let somebody know today that we have a family narrative as believers, as the household of faith. And that family narrative is the Bible. Okay, okay. We have the Bible as a family narrative, and so God loves us so much He's so thorough in His care for us that He went all the way to the beginning. And He spent thousands of years, dozens of writers across three continents. Let me try some more over here. He went through all this trouble to give us a detailed account about who He is, who we are, and what He wants to do in our life. So that from the moment you say, yes, I'm going to let you adopt me, we know exactly what it is that we're getting ourselves into. And so let me just let you in on some of the family themes that are at work in our new family's narrative. We have a God who when things are void and in chaos, He doesn't abandon them. He hovers over them waiting for the right time to say, now I'm going to create fresh and anew, let there be light. And so that even when a thing looks useless and busted, he don't abandon it. Can't get no help over here. I'm just going to try over here. Y'all, you got the cold weather. Brought it, got it in your bones this morning. Let me keep going. He's a God that when he makes something new, he makes sure that there's more than enough in creation for Adam and Eve. There's plenty to eat. And he spares no expense in beauty. He spares no expense in his riches. So the, the scripture says that he is the God with the cattle on a thousand hills. That means that all the resources of the world belong to him. And he has given them to us for us to use more or less as we see fit. Because why? He's a God of blessing and not cursing. He's also a God that he, he understood that humanity has the potential to fall into sin. He comes down and he judges Adam and Eve and the serpent. And here's what he says, Adam, uh, you're going to have to work. Sweat of your brow. You're going to have to deal with thorns and thistles. And anybody who has ever tried to cut down a briar patch with a bush hook knows if I could get Adam in a dark alley, I'd give him an attitude adjustment for doing this to me. So Adam's going to have to work. What does he say to Eve? You're going to bring forth children like I made you to, but it's going to hurt you. Can I get Eve mamas to say, well, he, it is as he said. And then what did he tell? So he told Adam and Eve, y'all messed up. Here's what's happened. But then what does he say to the, to the serpent? 
He knows it was the serpent who deceived him. So he said, snake, uh, we're going to trim your wings off for you. You're going to spend the rest of your days crawling in the dust. And no matter how hard you try to upset the relationship between me and them, you may bruise them from time to time, but I'm sending somebody that when you try to bruise him, he's going to crush your head. And so from the very beginning, God gave a promise. You're not going to be lost. You're not going to be forgotten. You're not going to be condemned. If I have to come and do it myself, I will come because I'm going to be with you, forgive you, restore you, and I'm going to bring out a new creation out of what you all thought was dead and broken. And that's just the creation story. It's amazing how encouraged someone might be if they found themselves taking time to read the Word and instead of finding something to go to war with on Facebook so you can correct your political opponents, maybe read that story and say, this is God telling me the story of my family. You might be amazed at how encouraged you become. All right, I'm going to give you one more point and then we're going to eat. <clears throat> the next step that happens in the adoption process is a health statement. And so potential parents have to go through medical exams. Because why? We need to know if we give you responsibility for this precious life, we need to know that you're not going to be dead in six weeks to the best of our ability. Because why? That would be absolute, number one, it'd be devastating. It'd be extra devastating to this child who just as they thought they were getting a new beginning, now they're back at square one. I mean, we all see the logic in that, don't we? Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 and 29 says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? He is the everlasting God. I'm just going to preach over here. He is the everlasting God. He is the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He never faints, nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable, and he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. And so I need to tell some folk this morning that when it comes to us understanding how long is God going to be around, he's going to be around forever, because he's the one who was, and he is and he will always be. There's nowhere you can go that he ain't going to be there. The psalmist said, even if I make my bed down in hell, even there he can get to me. I don't want to offend my brothers and sisters over here. don't want to offend y'all, okay? But God is not going anywhere. And so guess what? When you become a part of his family, guess what that means for you? You ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. This may die, but this never will. Now, I know we've all heard the salvation message, but let me take just one quick Pentecostal victory lap around the mountain of salvation. One of the promises that we have is that when we know Him as Father and we know Jesus as Lord, the promise that He gives us is that your flesh, this version of your flesh may die, but you will be with me forever. 
And so I don't always have to be afraid of what's right around the corner. I don't need to always be afraid about a car wreck or a war. No, because I know that the future that is in store for me, the conduct and the, 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 the destination of my soul lies in the hands of a faithful father who he's not going anywhere, and that means neither am I. And so I probably won't be your pastor in the next phase of life, but guess what? I'm going to be there with you when we get up to heaven together. The people sitting on the seat beside you are going to be there with you in heaven. I ain't preaching on unity just yet. I'm going to do that next month. But somebody right there just need to get a little air under your wings and just need to let you know the sister and the brother to your right and your left, they ain't going nowhere. Why? Because our Creator is not going anywhere. He is everlasting, and we are part of a family that will last forever. I need to let you know this parting thought about the church this morning is that the governments in the world come and go. And so we live in an age where we've all lived under the muscle of the American government. For all intents and purposes, for everyone who's alive in this room, America has been the big driving force in the secular government world for all of our life. But I need to remind you that governments come and go. The ideas of men come and go. We get real excited about the Declaration of Independence. I just want to remind you that there's a very similar document written a few hundred years before called Magna Carta. Men, we do the same things over and over and over, and we come and we go. It's all ice cream. It's different flavors. It's the same thing. And so here's what you need to know, though. The reason why we build our life around the church and not the other way around is because the church is the only eternal organization on this planet. It's the only eternal group of people on this planet. Governments can only unite people for so long. That's heavy medicine, but I'm just going to keep going. Governments can only unite people for so long. Good documents can only unite people for so long. Good art can only unite people for so long. But the church is guaranteed that it has always been and it will always be around. Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you say, I don't want to be alone in life. Join the church. Because you don't have to be alone now, and you will be with the people and family of faith from now until the end of eternity. We're swimming in the deep end of the pool today. I need to also let you know that when God doesn't grow weary, and He doesn't grow faint, here's what that means. That means the obstacles and the battles that we face, the needs that we have, He's never tired And so I see my my good friend right here. He's holding a tiny little baby right here. This is a fresh, fresh, fresh baby right here. Still so gentle and so sweet. And I predict what's going to happen in the next few days and weeks as that baby gets a little bit older, they're going to find their voice and they're going to be letting you know when they're hungry. They're going to be letting you know when they're sleepy. They're going to be letting you know when they need to be held. Any parents in the room, your baby start crying and (laughs) and you say, I love this baby, but I need another hour. Now, I'm not going to embarrass any of the mamas in here, but any mamas in here went, baby, you're going to have to wait 20 more minutes before you eat because I ain't ready. That's the truth. You know it and I know it. 
I know you love them babies. I love them too. But there was times when they were crying. I said, I ain't got the gas in the tank right now. (laughs) Did you know that there has never been a need that you went to God with and He went, man, right now is really a bad time. Can I get back to you in a half hour? I ain't got no veterans of faith in the house today. Is there, did you know that there's never been one time you said, God, I need you, that he went, I, office hours is 9 to 5. Try again in the morning. Because he's never tired. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't need rest because he is the source of all life and all energy and all focus and all determination. All of that comes from him. And so he's open 24-7, 365. Don't you know that there's not one time that you run to him and say, God, I need you, that he's not right there and he's listening. Anytime that we cry and we call out, he's ready. I don't know about you, but that's giving me some hope right there. Sometimes we say, God, I need a little bit of peace. And he says, okay, you can have my peace. Sometimes we're like, God, I'm fighting for my life. And he says, that's okay. I don't care what the doctor said. I've got all the healing power that has ever been. And I can just touch that, problem solved. There's no demand that you put on him that is straining to him. That's good preaching right there. Somebody put that on the tweeter. Now, I just want to remind you that we've talked about what he does, but I have learned this in my adult life. Sometimes the thing that taxes us the most is questions that we don't have answers to. What do I do? Who do I trust? God, why did it happen this way? Why? But the scripture says that his understanding is unsearchable. That means you can never find the end of how much he knows. It means you can never find a situation or a scenario that he doesn't understand what we're going through. And so I need to tell some believers today that he knows all. He sees all. And he does have all the answers that we need. He has all the power that we need. He has all the strength that we need. And he is not a respecter of persons. He is not a respecter of persons. That means if he's done it for Jordan, he'll do it for Daniel. If he did it for Daniel, he'll do it, he'll do it for Terrence. If he did it for Terrence, he'll do it for Nick. If he did it for Nick, he'll do it for Thomas. If he did it for Thomas, he'll do it for Danny because he doesn't respect. He gives freely to all as is needed. I want you to stay, stay seated if you don't mind. And here's what we're going to do today. I'm just going to pray a quick prayer over you as I wrap up this first half of the spirit of adoption. Thank you for being so patient today. You have been an amazing audience. I wanted to close this way on purpose. I know I'm ending briefly, but I'm doing this on purpose today. Because here's all that uh, I feel the Lord wants for us to do today. If you will, just right where you are, seated in your seat, just close your eyes. And if you'll just take a receiving posture, you can just hold your, I like to do it this way. You can just hold your hands up like this. And I'm going to pray for you. And all I need you to do as a congregation today is just receive. 
But Lord, I release to your people today a blessing. I speak your blessing over them. That God, you are more than enough for them. And that you have loved them with an eternal and everlasting love. And that before they were in their mother's womb, you knew them and you formed them. And so, Lord, I release that spirit of love to your people today. Lord, I ask that you tip over the love bucket in heaven and pour it out right here at 7700. And so as you're sitting there today receiving, you just need to know this. That he picked you before you picked him. And so, Lord, I release to each one the refreshing grace of adoption. The refreshing of the spirit of adoption. That they were picked. They were chosen. They were formed and they were made according to the wishes of their Father in heaven. And that you see what we have need of before we ever ask. And so, Lord, I pray a restoring and a refreshing come to broken hearts. Those of us that we've lived through trauma, we were abandoned, neglected. Our parents died unexpectedly. Lord, some of us have never known a parent, but your scripture says that you're a father to the fatherless. And so, Father God, I ask that you release that truth in this room today. And that you're showing people, you're stirring in their heart and you're reminding their souls that they have always been loved. And that we are who you say that we are. There's some people in here today that that was a moment for you right there. You can say, I am not what my past says I am. I am who my Father says that I am. Some of you went your whole life and said, no one has ever loved me. And I understand it's not technically true because God loved you before you ever were. Before you drew breath on this planet, God loved you. And when you open your heart to Him, He pours that love out on you. A lot of times we draw our identity from the family that we grew up in. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. But I just want to remind you that you've got a new family today. A new way of doing things. A new way of seeing things. And that the resources of your life is not just your boss or who your parents were. The resources of your life is your father and your creator who made all things. There's more than enough for you today. And so, Lord, we speak that blessing of more than enough perfect love in this room today. Lord, for the veteran saints in the room and for those of us, we've got our babies. Lord, I pray over these sweet children that fill this sanctuary today. I know there are some moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas right now about to help me. Lord, we lift up these precious children to you that are in this room today. Lord, we call them blessed and we call them loved. In your precious name. And I declare over them that you will be a father to them. Just as you have been a father to us. Lord we pray it in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. How many of you are glad to know Father God today? Can we give the Father a hand clap of praise today?
thank you so much for being here. I really hope to see you next weekend. I appreciate everyone getting out when it's cold. I know you all felt just how I did. I wanted to stay in the bed and pray that a magic bowl of chili would just come to me. But you know what? I wanted to see you and I wanted to be in God's presence today. And I've got a quick announcement. Don't forget that if you have uh, kids zero to three in our nursery, before you go get food, we need you to go get your babies. Okay? We're changing kids' checkout. I'm just going to drop you a little nugget. Our kids' ministry and facilities are at capacity. I, I thought that was good news. Thank you, ladies. I felt that right there. We're going to say, be saying more about that in the future, but you can go directly to the nursery rooms to get your babies today. You don't have to go through the check-in station. Go straight to the nursery and check your babies out there, okay? So please go do that before you get your fajitas, okay? Copacetic? I love you. Holly and I love you. God loves you. This team loves you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Go and be blessed. Looking forward to seeing you all next week.